The gospel for the second Sunday of Christmas is from John's version of the Christmas story, chapter 1, verse 10. He was in the world, the Son of God, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the power to become children of God, children born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but children born of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This is he about whom I said, After me comes one who ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. And from his fullness we've all received grace upon grace. The law, indeed, was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God's only Son, the one close to the Father's heart, who has made God known. The Gospel of the Lord. We did something two days ago, Friday, January 1st, that doesn't usually happen at the Havel House. We started packing up and putting away Christmas. The nativity sets and the stockings, the Christmas candles and all the Santa Claus tchotchkes, the other holiday trinkets too are all packed up and put away, stored again in the garage in their red and green containers for another year. Bah humbug. We usually wait till at least January 6th, Epiphany, for all of that putting away. But the next couple of weeks are going to be rough and busy at our place with my wife Krista's surgery scheduled for Tuesday morning. So if we didn't do it sooner, it wasn't going to happen until much, much, much later. And I'm always amazed, and I'm always, frankly, a little bit judgy, about the speed with which so many people clean up Christmas and pack it away. So I felt a little guilty about getting in on that game this time around. Seems to be gone in a fraction of the time that it takes for us to set it all up and get ready for it, almost like we can't wait for it to be over, or that we can't wait to move on from it, or like we're not all that invested in it in the first place. When it's all said and done, when the parties are over and the Christmas trees are packed away or set out by the curb, when the classes begin again, whatever it is that makes the holiday season, the holiday season has ended, it is very easy for us to slip into a post-season funk, kind of like a holiday hangover, if you will. Maybe you know that feeling. And unless you ascribe to the hair of the dog remedies for curing hangovers, the shape of things out there in the world so far already in 2021 isn't exactly a cure for this holiday hangover. No matter how much we were ready 
to set 2020 out by the curb, it's easy to see that not so much has changed just because the New Year's Eve ball dropped and we get to say we completed another trip around the sun together. No, most of our struggles followed us into January. And the same dangers lurk and the same fears loom as ever. Bah humbug. There's another new but all too familiar worry about trouble in the Middle East again. Have you heard? There's ever more political anxiety and animosity and uncertainty afoot right here in our own backyard, too. The coronavirus pandemic didn't disappear on November 4th or at midnight on Thursday and could very well be getting worse. In 30 minutes of watching the local news in Indianapolis anyway, you will learn that our city set records for criminal homicide in 2020, that a 10-year-old girl is missing in Muncie, that another white woman somewhere in the country has gone viral for publicly, falsely, shamefully accusing another young black man for stealing her phone at stores somewhere. So the hits keep coming. Not much in the world seems to point to the fact that there's anything any more merry or happy or new this year just because it's 2021. And as usual, it's not just about what's going on in the news or over there or even on the other side of town. There's plenty going on in our own homes and in our own lives and in our own families that's already threatened to suck the happy right out of this three-day-old new year. So maybe you've showed up or logged on for worship searching for some kind of answer, possibly expecting to hear a promise of hope in the face of all that. And you get this Scrooge of a pastor who seems bent on reminding you about the doom and the gloom that still surrounds us. We get this passage then from John's Gospel, too, that's anything but the silent night and holy night and feel-good storybook stuff of last week's shepherds and stars and wise men and miracles. Like even John has packed up Christmas and is pushing us to move on away from all of that. Because the first chapter of John's Gospel is a version of the Christmas story, though, that's very different from the one we've been hearing over the last couple of weeks. John tells a story about Jesus coming into the world and having always been part of the world. Okay. John talks about Jesus showing up but being rejected by those he came to love and redeem in the first place. A humbug. John talks about the Word becoming flesh and living among us and about God's only Son being close to the Father's heart and making God known because of that. Okay, again, whatever that means. It can sound like a puzzle especially if you're hearing it for the first time. It's a mind-boggling sort of thing, this version of the Christmas story. It's the stuff of philosophy and theology I wonder and I stew about, even though a lot of the time it all seems beyond my grasp. And with the angels and the shepherds and the baby in the manger all packed up and put away, John's version of Christmas is nowhere near 
as warm and fuzzy and romantic as it all felt a week or so ago. And I wonder if that's John's point and purpose exactly. Maybe John told this version of Christmas without the romance and without the warm fuzzies because he knew that's where people were living a whole lot of the time. As we've already been reminded, our world is anything but warm and fuzzy. Again, maybe that's why John has cleaned up and packed away the stuff of Christmas, the angels, the shepherds, the magi, and more. Even as he leaves a light on for us, you might say, just the same. Something more for us to chew on and to carry with us beyond the characters in the crash. At our house, we didn't pack away everything from our Christmas celebration just yet. The tree's still up and decorated. The Advent wreath is still on the table. And the lights are still outside around the house. It was raining on Friday, actually. Because I don't know about you, but I'm going to need some more time and some more reminders in the coming days and weeks especially about why and for whom God showed up in Jesus. And John's version of the story gives me something different, like a cure for my holiday hangover and encouragement for whatever is on the way. Like the good news and reminder that that word of, and spirit of God, logos, is the word John uses for it, that means the building blocks of creation, the nature of God was born in the flesh so that we could see what that looked like. The stuff of mercy and love and forgiveness and hope were embodied in Jesus so that we might embody those things ourselves. The good news that in God's ultimate act of humility and sacrifice, being burdened by a body, being burdened by suffering, being burdened by death even, you and I are made brothers and sisters with Jesus. And we're made children too, loved by the Most High God. And the good news that the fullness of that same God's grace has been poured out for your sake and for mine, even when it's hard to buy it or believe it or put it into words. I guess what I'm saying, when I'm feeling right about now, is that my faith on this side of Christmas isn't fueled so much by the shepherds and the stars and the silent nights of a week ago. My faith is in the Word that remains above and beyond all of that and the promise of the deep, abiding, unending love to which all of those things point us. Maybe not a lot, maybe not enough has changed with the turning of the new year, but neither has the persistent, powerful, ever-present love of our God about which John's gospel fullness of grace and truth that has lived and moved and breathed in the world since the dawn of creation. The fullness of grace and truth that lived and moved and breathed in Jesus, too. The fullness of grace and truth that lives and moves and breathes still, even when the darkness threatens, especially 
when the darkness threatens still, so that we will trust in and receive grace upon grace upon grace upon grace when we need it most, no matter what the calendar says. And so we can be that kind of grace upon grace upon grace for each other and for a world that needs it still. Amen. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year.